And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on the earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told to them. Heavenly Father, we do thank you today for Jesus. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to join that chorus of angels on that first Christmas day who celebrated the entry of Emmanuel, God with us, into the world. And today, God, we just want to continue to celebrate you and to lift up your name in all of your glory. So thank you for being with us, gathering with us, for being exalted as we give our praise to you now and continue to worship in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I invite you to open your Bible with me today to the Gospel of John, chapter 10. Uh, we're going to pick up <clears throat> where we left off last week uh, in, in this same text, John chapter 10. Have, have you ever received a gift that didn't seem to make sense at the time you received it, but in the end it turned out to be the best gift ever? Uh, I remember when my father-in-law passed away a number of years ago. Morgan was just 12 years old. And my father-in-law wanted Morgan to have his old beat-up, run-down pickup truck. And so uh, he gave Morgan, a 12-year-old boy, the truck. It seemed like, uh, you know, kind of, kind of a silly thing to do for a 12-year-old to receive a truck. But I can't tell you the joy and the excitement that we've had over the years by uh, hauling stuff around in that old beat-up pickup truck. I mean, it has become a true treasure uh, to our family. So today we continue our journey uh, unwrapping God's greatest gift to us. We started this a few weeks ago by looking at Jesus as the bread of life, and then we looked at him as the light of the world, and last week we looked at him as the door and so today we continue to unwrap the, the, the package that Jesus has offered to us in himself as God's greatest gift. In Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 20, we heard, read earlier this morning, the documentation that the shepherds played a very significant role in 
the account of the birth of Jesus. When the shepherds heard about the birth of Jesus, they, they went immediately for themselves to, to see that treasured gift. And when they arrived, they praised God and they celebrated that great gift that God offered. And then the Bible tells us they couldn't help but go and spread the word about God's greatest gift to mankind. Now, unfortunately, if you read the text carefully, you see that not many people believe their story. Some translations say some people wondered at the story of the shepherds. Interesting, not, not many people believe the, the story because the reputation of the shepherds was not very impressive. In fact, their social status was not very high. In our culture in North America today, we are very different from the Middle Eastern culture of the first century. In the Middle Eastern culture of the first century, shepherds were a very familiar way of life. The task of the shepherd was to guide and to protect and to provide physically and even emotionally for their sheep. And it's more than a little interesting to me that Jesus would choose to be identified with the low class of life. He would choose to be identified as a shepherd. He took these ceremonially unclean kind of people and entered into life claiming to be one of those no Jewish rabbi which many considered Jesus to be would ever have claimed to be a shepherd. But isn't that interesting about Jesus? That he would choose to be associated with all of life, even those who were the outcast, even those who were the ceremonially unclean of his day. Jesus knew what sacrifice was all about. And in, in John chapter 10... I want you to follow with me as we look at this wrapped up picture again, this wrapped up gift in the clothing of a shepherd and why Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. See, Jesus was fighting in this particular time in his life for his identity. He was fighting for ultimately uh, his life. There had already been plots set to take his life. So let's continue to read John chapter 10. Let's pick up with verse 11 today and read down for our purpose right now through verse 18. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand, cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father." And I lay down my life for the sheep. 
I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it up from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. And I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. This is the word of the Lord to the people of the Lord today. So in this picture, John chapter 10, verse, beginning with verse 11, Jesus is the good shepherd. The Jewish believers are the sheep. Gentile believers are the other sheep. The hired hand is the imposter, the false teacher. So there's a contrast here. The contrast is between the hired hand and Jesus, the good shepherd. There are three unique characteristics that set the good shepherd apart from the hired hand that we can't help but look at as we look at this passage this morning. So follow with me as we look for these three characteristics of the good shepherd as compared to the hired hand. First of all, the good shepherd lives a life of sacrifice. The good shepherd lives a life of sacrifice. We see this in verses 11 through 15 where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Four times in this passage, Jesus repeats this phrase in verse 11 and in verse 15 and in verse 17 and verse 18. He said, the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Now, I want to tell you something. Sacrifice doesn't get much greater than somebody being willing to die for somebody else. Somebody laying down their life for another. And that's what makes Jesus so unique in Romans chapter 5. In verse 8, the Apostle Paul later puts it this way, God demonstrates, God shows His love in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You want some good news at Christmas? <laughs> that is good news. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, Lay down his life for us while we were still sinners. He didn't wait for us to be good enough. He didn't wait for us to jump through hoops and follow rules and regulations. He laid down his life for us while we were still sinners. A hired hand would never do that. A hired hand would never sacrifice, especially to the point of laying down life. And that's why in verse 12, the Bible says, He who is a hired hand is not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. The good shepherd is committed to the sheep. So committed that he will lay down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is only looking out for himself. He's only there for a paycheck. He's only there for what he can get out of the deal. 
The wolf represents all who proclaim false doctrine. Those who take advantage of God's people. And there's so much of that going around in our world today. There's so much garbage out there in the name of the gospel that's leading people straight to hell. Beware. Beware, Jesus says. Those who take advantage of God's people are wolves. They're there to scatter and destroy. And they will. And so Jesus repeated again in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I would never leave you astray. Sacrificial living was the standard for Jesus. And listen to me. If you are a follower of Jesus, sacrificial living is your standard as well because you follow the good shepherd. On December the 12th, 1840, Charlotte Lottie Moon was born up in the state of Virginia. At the age of 14, 14 years old, she entered seminary. And two years later, she graduated with a theological degree from seminary. She began her teaching career. She had an incredibly benevolent heart for those who were on the street, those who were hungry. And early on in her life, she was noted for meeting the physical needs of so many people as well as spiritual needs. She had a very high level of intelligence and she had a tremendous acumen for foreign languages. And so at age 33, God called her to missions. And she was assigned by what was then called the Foreign Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention to become a single female missionary to China, almost unheard of during that generation. She spent the next 40 years, which happened to be the last 40 years of her life, sharing the gospel in the classroom and in thousands and thousands and thousands of homes throughout China as a foreign missionary. She literally starved herself to death in order to give food to Chinese citizens who had nothing to eat. At age 72, she died weighing less than 50 pounds in the middle of a ship in Kobe, Japan, on her way, hopefully, back to the United States of America. She never made it. Because of her love for Jesus and because of her sacrificial service, a missions offering was established in 1918 in her honor. And today, we still give money to support foreign missions. Every penny we give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, and by the way, on Christmas Eve, again, we'll, we'll take up another offering, and 100% of that offering will go for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering to share the gospel to every country around the world. Sacrificial service was a way of life for the Good Shepherd, but not only for the Good Shepherd, but also for those who would choose to follow the Good Shepherd. In verse 14, Jesus said, I know my own, and my own know me. 
Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. So Jesus compared the relationship that he had between him and believers to the relationship between him and his Father, God. There's no greater relationship than that. The relationship between God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit is the epitome of relationship. Three in one. And you and I are called to be in that kind of relationship with Jesus. So let me ask you, how's it going? How's it going with your personal relationship with Jesus? Jesus said, just like I am in perfect unity, just like I am in a perfect relationship with my Father, so I am in a perfect relationship with my sheep. Are you one of His sheep? Are you walking in perfect relationship with Him today? There can be no greater gift at Christmas time than the gift of knowing the Good Shepherd and the gift of being in perfect relationship with the Good Shepherd. Don't let today pass. Don't let this Christmas season pass without sealing that relationship with you and Jesus, the Good Shepherd. I was talking with one of our young people this week about following Jesus in believer's baptism. On Christmas Eve, we're going to we're going to baptize those who would choose for the identity with Christ on Christmas Eve to share in believer's baptism. We looked at the scriptures and affirmed that, that baptism is a first step in Christian maturity, but it has to be followed by total obedience to Jesus. If one is truly going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, to be one of these sheep who are, who, in, who are in perfect relationship with Him. Sacrificial service is a part of that obedience. See, without the death and resurrection of Jesus, which baptism symbolizes, the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, there is no hope for the world. No hope for the world. And the Good Shepherd is that reliable friend who comes alongside those who will choose to believe Him and follow Him and be a friend of His. A friend is someone who walks in when everyone else walks out. In John chapter 15 and verse 13, the Bible says, No greater love has one than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. And so we had that conversation this week about what it meant to be a friend of Jesus, what it meant to fully obey everything that Jesus commands. So you can't be Jesus. You can't. But you can allow Him to be your best friend. And you can allow Him to take the friendship that He has with you and you have with Him and reflect it into the lives of people close to God and people far from God. What a privilege. The Good Shepherd lives a life of sacrifice. Secondly, we see in verse 16 that 
the good shepherd lives a life of unity. That's the second characteristic, unique characteristic of the good shepherd. The good shepherd lives a life of unity. Verse 16 says, I have other sheep. They are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. See, not just Jewish people are in the scope of God's mission. Aren't you glad? Most of us are not born Jewish. But God has chosen to include us as the good shepherd. Jesus calls non-Jewish believers as well as Jewish believers to know and follow him. And he commands all believers, all believers to be unified. That means we're one. The main theme of Ephesians chapter, chapters 4 and 5 and the main theme of that great uh, Lord's Prayer that Jesus prayed in John chapter 17 is built around this theme of unity. Unity is a big deal with Jesus. Unity among God's people is a big deal in the eyes of God and in the family of God. Unity impacts the, the relationship that we have with all believers in all tribes, all nations, everywhere. That's why we're so committed to receiving the gospel so we can take the gospel and share the good news to every corner of the world, every nation, every tribe, every tongue. Unity is a big deal in the family of God. Jesus is not only a friend, but he's also a mentor. And as a mentor, he's the unifying glue. He's the one who brings us together as one. You know what the basis for unity of believers is built on? The basis of the unity of believers is built on the Good Shepherd. He's the unifier. He's the one that draws us to Himself so that we can be drawn to one another. And so He's not only a friend, He's also a mentor. He, he leads believers to love and to care for one another, to sacrifice for one another, to be in harmony with one another, to be in fellowship with one another. So this passage, straight out of this passage, we have some alerts that may work against the unity of God's believers. So let's look at some of these alerts that are here that would disturb unity among the Good Shepherd. The first one I see is distorting truth. See, the purpose of wolves and hired hands was to come in and scatter the sheep. To destroy the sheep. And there's a, there's a standard for the truth. And the standard is God's word. The standard is to model the life of Jesus Christ. And truth is not self-serving. The purpose of the wolf and those who would come in and scatter is self-serving. A second thing that may work against unity is putting little church before big church. What I mean by that is we're a part of a, of a worldwide body. We're interested in God's worldwide kingdom. 
more than we are interested in building our own kingdom. So be aware, be aware that our emphasis is not just on church here. Our church is on church around the world. Another alert to disunity could be redefining church as a place. I mean, we have this idea, you know, we're going to church. We have this idea that church is a building. And the Bible teaches that church is a body, not a building. It's a flock. It's an organism, not an organization. It's a worldwide fellowship. Now, gathering with the flock is critical. In fact, there's never been a time in history when this was more in jeopardy than what we're living through today. Coming together as the body of Christ is critically important. In fact, I read a Gallup survey this week. You're not going to believe this. So I want you to listen carefully. I'm going to read it so I don't mess it up. But a Gallup survey was released this week, and it said, and I quote, the only demographic with improved mental wellness in 2020 are those regularly participating in worship services. End of quote. So gathering with the body is critical. But understand this. When we come together as a body, we come together so we can support the worldwide enterprise of God's church, the worldwide organism of God's body, of God's church. Another thing that may work against unity among the sheep of the Good Shepherd is having the wrong school board. Having the wrong school board. What I mean by that is unclarified measures. What are we here for? See, if we're going to be true to the truth, we don't get to make up the rules. Jesus gave us our great commission. And that great commission is listed for us very clearly a number of times in Scripture. Simply said, the mission of the church is to make disciples who make disciples. So again, I have to ask us, how are we doing with that? How are we taking what Jesus has done for us as we model Him, as we follow Him and being the Good Shepherd, we follow Him understanding that to follow the Good Shepherd means we obey His commands. And His command primarily is to make disciples who make disciples of Jesus. Another thing that may work against the unity of the church is seeking credit. Seeking individual credit. There, there's no place in the unified sheepfold for self-centeredness. Wolves and bad shepherds are looking out for themselves rather than God's sheep. Making all of life about Jesus has no place for self-serving interests and individual credit. I mean, we, we had this night of Bethlehem here at the church this past Friday night, and it was awesome. I mean, this place was turned into, I mean, it really did look a lot like Bethlehem. I mean, some of the, some of the scenes were, were, were very reminiscent of, of Bethlehem. And we had 
many people who sacrificially poured their time and energy and resource into making that thing happen, not wanting any credit whatsoever for it. Way to go. Way to go. And that's true with sharing the gospel as well, not for our benefit, but for the benefit of those who need it. I could go on and on, but let me just mention one more thing that may work against the unity of the body, and that is catering rather than challenging. Catering rather than challenging. Now, this comes straight out of this passage in John chapter 10. There were groups of people who thought they were religious people, and they were religious people, but unfortunately they were following the wrong religion. <laughs> they were worshiping religion rather than worshiping the God of religion. And when a sheep is not obeying the good shepherd, discipline is necessary, and that's what Jesus was doing. He was trying to bring discipline to those who would want to be part of the family of God. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 and 20, Jesus came and said to them, All authority is given in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. Did you hear that? Obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always, even to the end of the, even to the, end of the age. So if we are going to be unified with Christ, we're going to receive correction. And when we're not obeying everything that Jesus asked us to do, then we're going to be willing to make correction to our way of life, our lifestyle. Again, unity in the sheepfold is a big deal. It's a big deal with Jesus. The Good Shepherd lives a life of unity and we must follow his example. So before the beginning of time, God created unity. God exemplified unity through God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Not three gods, one God. A unified God. Father, Son, Spirit, three in one. Unity has always been and always will be and is today a big deal with God. Now, honestly, I know that some sheep are hard to get along with. Uh, and I'm not talking about people in this church. I'm talking about people in other churches worldwide. But in the, even in the big C church, we don't get to choose who we get along with. If a person is a blood-bought believer in Jesus Christ, then we are in partnership under the same head, under the same shepherd. And all believers under that blood of the good shepherd are part of God's family. That's a big deal. Finally this morning. There's a third unique characteristic of the Good Shepherd, and that is the Good Shepherd lives a life of self-control. And it would do us well to learn from him today. In verse 17, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life and may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. 
I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Now when he talks about in the beginning of verse 17, this reason. This reason relates to Jesus laying down his life for your salvation and for my salvation. No one took Jesus' life from him. Jesus willingly laid down his life for you and me. Jesus willingly arose from the dead of his own accord. This was not plan B. This was a part of God's plan from before the beginning of time. And Jesus and God the Holy Spirit and God the Father were in unity over this plan. So Jesus claimed authority over life and death. And only he, in perfect unity with the Father and the Holy Spirit, could do that. All 39 books of the Old Testament point toward the need for the birth, the life, the sacrificial death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. All 27 books of the New Testament look back and celebrate the birth, the perfect life, the sacrificial death, the resurrection, and the coming again of the Good Shepherd. So before the creation of all we know and experience, Jesus was in sync with God the Father and the Holy Spirit in that perfect will of God. And the Good Shepherd models discipline and he models sacrifice and self-control for you and me to follow today. Again, no one took his life from him. He willingly laid it down and he willingly took it back up again. Now, as I wrap it up this morning, this term good shepherd implies something that is quite sobering to me. In fact, it's almost agonizing to me. Because to have a good shepherd, and even to have to qualify a good shepherd, means that there are shepherds who are not good shepherds. In Ezekiel chapter 34, some of us read a couple of weeks ago, some of the saddest words in Scripture. <clears throat> in Ezekiel chapter 34, Beginning with verse 1, the Bible says, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened. The sick you have not healed. The injured you have not bound up. The strayed you have not brought back. The lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep 
were scattered. That's exactly, that's exactly why Jesus came to this earth and identified himself as the good shepherd. In contrast to those who claimed to be leaders for God and yet were not modeling godly characteristics. And so Israel's leaders and then followed by the Pharisees and then the religious leaders since the first century and even most religious leaders today have failed to lead God's sheep. This week, one of our staff members said, and I quote, sometimes, sometimes the best self-control is giving up control to Jesus. Well, I would go as far as to say that we have one good shepherd and we must always give him full control. When we give him full control, then we elevate him to the position that he truly deserves and that he truly is. And that is the good shepherd. I pray that those of us who shepherd God's sheep today will be faithful, but the key is to understand that we all must keep our eyes on Jesus because he is the good shepherd and he never fails. Never. In John chapter 21, Jesus does a remarkable thing. Simon Peter had, remember, denied Jesus at the courtroom, the courtyard scene, where three different times Peter denied that he even knew Jesus. Three different times he, in essence, mocked the name of Jesus by denying that he even knew him. In John chapter 21, after Jesus had died on the cross and after he had arisen from the grave. He came back to the shore where Peter had gone back to fishing. And, and Jesus called Peter and the disciples to come sit down on the shore with him and have breakfast with him. Now remember, Simon Peter had denied Jesus three times. And listen to what the Bible says in John chapter 21, verses 15 to 17. When they had finished breakfast... Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. How many times did Peter denied Jesus in the courtroom three times. How many times did Jesus confirm the deep love that he knew Peter had for him? 
three times. Today, you and I have been given the gift of the gospel. And if Jesus were to say to us today, do you love me? Do you love me? My prayer is that your response would be the same as Simon Peter and that the response from Jesus to you would be then, if you love me, show it. If you love me, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. No greater privilege do we have on earth than the privilege of unwrapping this gift of being a part of the sheepfold of the Good Shepherd. A life of sacrifice and unity and self-service should be a part of the DNA of everybody who, who knows Jesus. So where does that leave us by way of application today? I conclude with this. A question. Who needs a good shepherd? Who needs a good shepherd? Now don't pass over that question too quickly because the Bible tells us in this same text that not everyone will receive the good shepherd. Again, Ezekiel was sad news. In John chapter 10, verses 27 to 30, we have some more sad news. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe the works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Saddest news in the world, not everyone believed. And unfortunately, not everyone will. There are many false teachers out there in the world today, so beware, beware of anyone who preaches a gospel that's any gospel other than Jesus Christ, the way, the bread of life, the light of the world, the door, the good shepherd. That's Jesus and Jesus alone. So who needs a good shepherd? Well, everyone who will believe in Jesus. I love verse 42 of chapter 10 of John. It wraps it up in such a beautiful way. But many believed. Is that you? <laughs> Is that you? Are you in the many? I trust that you are. So let me ask you again, as I started out this morning, have you ever received a gift that seemed not to make sense at the, the time that you received it, but, but in the end turned out to be the best gift ever? That, that's the gift. That's the gift that Jesus is offering us today. To hear the voice of the Good Shepherd. To believe. To become part of the life and the energy of the Good Shepherd. So this Christmas, I encourage you to join me in, in unwrapping God's greatest gift, the Good Shepherd. If you need a guide, if you need a protector, if you need a provider, if you need a security, if you need a friend, Jesus is the Good Shepherd. And He does what good shepherds do. He will lead you out of fear, any fear. He will lead you out of fear. 
He will lead you out of addictions, any addiction. He will lead you out of danger. He will lead you out of anything negative into life if you only believe. God, thank you today that you have promised us. You've promised us the greatest gift in the world. And in that greatest gift of the world, we can truly, truly, truly experience and know and live in and follow the life of the Good Shepherd. Thank you for saying to us as we unwrap that gift today of the Good Shepherd, Merry Christmas. Because that's what you've given us. There's nothing that can rob us, nothing that can take away, nothing that can destroy, nothing that can defeat the Merry Christmas that comes through Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd. And we continue today to celebrate you as we continue to worship in Jesus' name. Amen.